My name is Dion. If we haven't met before, I would love to shake your hand and get to meet you. Um, welcome. If this is your first time, I'm just super pumped that you have um, chosen to join us in this Advent season. Um, yesterday, I went to a Christian metal concert. <laughs> it was crazy, dude. And what, what you're thinking is exactly what happened. <laughs> and I, I, I went with Tyler and um, Rachel, which are two um, church members here. Rachel's leading worship this morning. Um, good job keeping your voice um, after all the screaming that happened last night. <laughs> Um, but it was crazy, and I could tell you so many stories, but I, got, I, got, I just narrowed it down to one. Um, so this guy, the lead singer, he, we were already in the concert. I already seen three other bands scream their, it was crazy, they, like actually scream. Like, go listen to it, it's crazy. It's not for everybody. It was fun for me to watch, um, but like, like Olivia was watching Hallmark movies with her grandma, so like, it's not for everybody, you know. Some, I mean, and, I, and it's probably not my thing, <laughs> but anyways, the guy gets up and he's telling he's telling us like a story about this song basically, or like what's this song about? And uh, he says he says this song's for uh, for when you're far away from someone and miss them. And I'm like, oh, he's gonna like sing a nice, pretty song. And he goes, ah! and like, I was like, all right. <laughs> so yeah, I see how you feel when you're far away from your family, dude. It was crazy, bro. Um, chaos. See, and and but. From the beginning of the song, it seemed like there was a message that he was trying to get across in the song that he was screaming. I'm not going to call it singing, screaming. Um, and, but, the, but because of the chaos that was around it, the, the headbanging and the rawr, like, like, like destroying their guitars. And the guy, the drummer, has two, two of these big bass drums. And so if you, like, if you take the drums away and think about it, what he, the way he's moving, he's, he's doing this, like literally. Like, so it's just chaos happening around around what the singer, screamer, is trying to communicate in the song. You can't, and he's screaming, so you can't understand what he's saying. I heard like, yo. <laughs> I heard that a lot. <laughs> Everything else was just screaming. Um, it, but he was trying to get a message across, but which I couldn't understand because of the chaos that was happening around it. And so I just, I just gave myself away to the chaos. I was like, okay, I'm going to jump in the mosh pit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to have fun too, and I'm going to just forget that there's a message. There's a purpose behind the song here, and I'm just going to let it happen. Dude, I watched Tyler. He did one of these. Like, like it, was, it, was, it was awesome, dude. It was chaos. But because of the chaos that was happening around it, because of the purpose that he was trying to communicate through the song, because of what was happening, he couldn't really, uh, for me, it wasn't accomplishing the goal of the message he was trying to get across because of the chaos that was crowding it all out. Um, we are all fighting to live a purposeful life, to live a life of, that we, like, we have a vision for what we want to see. Some of us are entrepreneurs in here, some of us are teachers. We have a vision for how we want to um, accomplish things in our life and carry ourselves and, and just go through this life successfully. But often there's chaos and there's um, outside circumstances and, and just things around us and, and that happen to us that take away our ability to do that or take away our peace take away our ability to focus and, and pursue that, what that is that we want to communicate, what that is that we want to live for. We're all fighting for this peace so that we can live a fruitful life, so we can live a purposeful life, so we can live a life that glorifies God. But so often we have this vision and this purpose that we have confessed and that we are committed to, but all the circumstances around us, all the chaos around us distracts us from it takes us away from it, makes us give way to 
the, what's happening in the world, what's happening to, uh, around us, instead of give way to what God's trying to do, what God is trying to give us and accomplish through us. So I argue to you this morning that we're all fighting for peace. We're all fighting to um, live a at least somewhat peaceful life. Maybe some of you metalheads wouldn't describe your life as peaceful, but in some way we all want an inner peace. We want to be able to live life with a peace so that we can move through life and um, like get through the storms of life and without it taking over us, without it overcoming us. You've seen it, you've done it. Like you have... Like you're fighting for, it's always the next thing. Like once I get this promotion, I will make enough money to have the life I want. Once my kid gets to this age, I will, I will be, you know, I'll have enough attention for myself or enough sleep to accomplish the life I want. Once I earn this amount of money, I will be able to live this peaceful, non-stressful life that I want. And sometimes we do find it. Sometimes we do find that like, like a sweet spot of, of, I'm on vacation, I'm in Cabo right now, so I don't need to think about anything that's going on. But the reality of that is it's only temporary. Whenever we reach these points of, of these goals that we have, which are good goals to have, it's good to have a good career, it's good to make money to support your family and support your church, live to give. Um, it's good to um, raise your kids and have, have kids and hope for them to grow up and become easier kids to raise. <laughs> but all these pain points that take away our peace are temporary is what we find, ultimately. I think that God, I argue to you and want to suggest to you that God has a life for you that you, he, that you could live in a way that the circumstances in our lives don't actually control our peace, don't actually control um, the, the um, steadfastness that we want to embody in our lives. God wants to give you this peace where, like, Things are happening around you, but you can still live a fruitful life. Things are happening around you, but you can still be quiet in your soul and enjoy life around you. Today, um, like I said, our, our, we are still in our Advent series. We'll be in here through the month of December. Um, and we're going through the songs, the, the multiple songs that are in like the Christmas account. Um, multiple people. And then today, angels sang um, because of the good news of the Savior. And so today we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. Um, we actually read this passage last year when we went through the characters of the Advent season, but we're not going to focus on those characters um, today. We're focusing on the angels. So if you would, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 8. Um, okay, so right before this, let me give you some background. Jesus was born. Um, Joseph and Mary traveled to um, Bethlehem to be registered for their um, census. So like this is a real thing that happened. Like they registered and registered their baby Jesus um, to be accounted as a real person. So like this is history as in we can look back and it actually happened. Um, And then right after the birth of Jesus, this is the account that is told. Okay. So in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, there was a multitude of the heavenly host, or a large group host of angel, with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to the heaven, 
returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So this is the account of what happened right after the birth of Jesus in Luke, is the announcement of the birth of Jesus and the encouragement to go see the birth, uh, to go see Jesus by an angel. And like I said, like, so my main point in this passage last year for the first time, for the first point was that this really happened. And again, this year, like, I just want to emphasize that this actually happened. Like God became a baby. Like Jesus came as a baby, was born from a woman and became a human. Like this actually, this happened for real. And the good news is that they, that today in the city of David, a savior was born for you. Like Someone to save you is here. Finally, 400 plus years, like I talked about last week. It had been 400 years since they had heard from God. The Savior is here, who is the Messiah, the chosen one, the one who the prophets and David spoke of, the Lord, the, the God of your life is here. This will, and this will be the sign for you. So one angel announced this. As the, as the angel delivered this announcement to the shepherds and directed them to go see Jesus, suddenly, think about this. Okay, Tyler said this yesterday when we were having dinner, like, Let's, let's have scripture come alive here. Think of yourself as a shepherd right now. Think of yourself as a, a dirty farmer in the middle of a field at night, just doing your job, watching sheep, probably looking out for like wolves and snakes or whatever is out for the sheep. And then suddenly, so, like, like, boom, angel. Like, like, and the glory of the Lord is surrounding the angel. It's, it's, it's this figure in, I don't, I didn't do the deep dive into what kind of angel, but in the Bible, there's some scary angels, like where, the, where there's multiple, like more than two wings and a bunch of eyes. It could have been that kind of angel. It could have been just a sweet looking angel with, you know, the two wings and a halo, but I don't know. Either way, this person or other person, person, like it's not a person, it's an angel, appeared out of nowhere suddenly. And so they said, don't fear, okay? Good news is what he brought, Okay. And then suddenly, so they're already scared of this angel who's bringing the best news they've ever heard. And then suddenly a thousand angels or an army of angels, that's what the heavenly host means, is that there was an army of angels praising God and saying this, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. This is what we're focusing on today. The good news of the Savior's birth happened for real on a specific day, in a specific place, at the precise fulfillment of prophecy in a designated city. And the angel, so the angel was, an, one angel was enough for the announcement of the good news, but an army of angels is what was needed for the effects of the good news or the results of this good news is first glory to God. Like this is like glory from earth to God. And then the effects of that peace on earth to his people. So ascending glory from earth, from people, from his people, descending peace for God's people. These are the effects of the good news of Jesus Christ born on Christmas day. The primary reasons for Jesus' arrival are twofold. Like I just said, glorify God through his birth and to spread peace where his child is welcomed. It says, to people that he favors. It's to God's people. It's, not, it's an offer for everyone. It said, this is good news of great joy for all people, but only the people who embrace him, who embrace God, the people he favors, this is who this is true for. So what does God's peace look like? 
God's purpose is to give you peace by being the most glorious and beautiful and most important person in your life. Five times in the New Testament, he's called the God of peace. What this means is, oh, this is good news. Praise God. This is good news. Amen. Amen. All right. (laughs) What this means is that the peace of God or the peace of Christ can never be separated from God himself in Christ himself. So like in the, earlier when I was talking about how we try and attain this peace ourselves, that can't, like a true peace can't be attained apart from God, is the claim that we are going with here. If we want peace to rule in our lives, God must rule in our lives, the creator of the earth. Christ must rule in our lives. God's purpose is not to give you peace separate from himself. His purpose is to give you peace by being the most beautiful person in your life. So the key to this to peace being kept together is keeping what the angels kept together. Glory to God, peace to man. They're not separate. A heart bent on showing glory to God will know the peace of God. If that is our purpose is to ascend glory to God, to give our lives to be a a visual of God's glory, then we will know the peace of God. And there's something that holds these two things together, God getting glory and us having peace. And it's believing, it's trusting the promises of God obtained in Jesus. Romans 15, 13 says this, um, he says that may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. He says, in believing, these things are held together, the the God of joy and peace. In other words, the way God's promises become real in our lives, become real for us and produce real peace, the real fruit of the spirit in us is in believing when we believe them. And that's true whether we're talking about peace with God peace with ourselves or peace with others. And so today we're going to expound on what peace looks like in the Bible and and how um, God describes peace through three relationships that we have. And just one more thing I want to say about peace. By peace, I mean not only the absence of conflict and animosity in your life, this neutral zone, but also the presence of joy that can only be given by God. The presence of a hope that you can only have if you have hope in Christ. The presence of love that can only be shown by a son dying on the cross for your sins. It's not just the absence of bad stuff, but the presence of the best stuff. That is what peace is, and it's only attainable through Christ Jesus. So the first relationship that we're going to look at is peace with God. What does the peace of God look like? The first relationship, three relationships of peace i got to practice with my slides. <laughs> peace with God. This is the first relationship that we see, and it is the most important relationship that we see in relation to having true peace in our lives. And when I say that you must have peace with God, don't think I'm good with God because I did blank. I'm good with God because I believed. I'm good with God because I fill in the blank. Like it's not something that relies on you. It, 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 we live in an age um, where we... We embrace this, um, there's a, a trend going around right now where people say, I'm him. It's like, like when you watch football, a receiver, if he, if he makes it or anyone scores a touchdown, he's going to run to the camera and say, I'm him. Have anybody heard that? Has anybody here heard that? All right, get some head nods. If you haven't, it's a thing, I promise. Ask any football fan in the room. Um, it's an I, I'm him mentality is a very, uh, is, is a strong thing that lives in us and not just in culture, but even sometimes it, it creeps its way into our spirituality, into our faith that because I, I'm good with God, because I did this, I am good with God. But the reality is through the birth of Christ, we have peace with him because Jesus redeems us, because Jesus did it, because Jesus made peace, because Jesus died for us. Not because of anything we did, 
you know, we, we participate by believing, but even that, even faith is in scripture told a gift from God. It's all given to us by God. And so the first relationship of peace that is important is peace with God. Let me illustrate this a little more. We're going to kind of soak in scripture today, we'll say. Galatians 5, 7 says, For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So our natural desire, our natural bent is away from God, is opposed to God. It's yeah, it says there are, these are opposed to each other. The things that we naturally want in lives without the presence of Christ in our lives are opposed to the things that God wants in our lives. So we're naturally bent away from God. Psalm um, 24, three through four says, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false God. And without God, if we read scripture for what it is, we know that we're not clean. We're not worthy to stand in his presence with just our natural state. We need his saving. We need him to cleanse us and make us pure. And so we need peace with God. This is the first, uh, the, the most important relationship that we have in relation to peace. These things show us that we are at odds with God, naturally. But Romans 5, 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Like I said, God's the one who gives it to us. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, we have been justified. And so we have peace with God. John 14, 27 says, Peace, I didn't get it. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. This is the gospel that we, God has made peace for us with himself. We had to be given this peace. He had to accomplish this peace for us. We are totally separate from God. If we read in the, in, so God created all things beautiful and good and perfect and true. And then humans mess it up. We messed it up. And so we are apart from him. We are naturally bent away from him because of the fall. And then he sent his son. This is the Christmas story. He sent his son to live and die for us so that we can have true life, have peace with him, be reconciled with him. All things in our lives fall under this umbrella, the umbrella of the gospel. The, the gospel is a story of God bridging the gap of peace for us. All things of, in your life fall under this. And I'm not. Try, and so we're talking about three, three relationships with peace, and the, the next two are about ourselves and with others. But don't hear me giving you a self-help talk, because if you don't get this first point right, the next two points, won't, it won't work. Like I said, we can try to get some kind of peace in our lives, and it'll be temporary, but only God can give real peace. The glory of God and the incarnate Jesus is the only path to true peace, salvation, right standing, full life with him. When we get this, when we understand this, when we believe this, we move from I'm him to in him. We move from I'm him to in him because God has made peace for us with himself. And so peace with God opens the door to the two other relationships with peace. But again, you can't separate these. You can't take the other two and leave this one. The next one is peace with ourselves. And when I say this, I don't want you to hear to, you know, the live your truth, you know, be your best self, um, that, that mentality. And now, don't hear me saying like, taking care of yourself is not a good thing. You should work out. You know, you should pursue success in your career. You should like eat good or take care of yourself. Like definitely do that. But living in God's truth is the true freedom that we're looking for, for peace with ourselves. The, the message that we see in scripture is to actually die to ourselves. 
It's your, yourself is being undone when you give way to the peace that God is accomplishing through Christ. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. That is, Christ was crucified, killed on a cross. So I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of, <clears throat> Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So we live by the power of God. We live by the wisdom of God. And we live by God living through us. That is how we have peace with ourselves. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And don't be anxious. The opposite of anxiety is to have peace. Make your requests known to God. In other words, give your anxieties to him. Roll them onto him. Give them to him. Tell him about them. Essentially, think of, uh, so when I, when I first started going to church, attending church, I, um, gratefully, I love looking back on it and would love to head back there and say hi to some people. Um, but it's a bunch of, it's a little tiny Southern Baptist church, a lot of old people, um, and all we sang were hymns. It was very fun. I loved it. Um, and through these hymns, you learn a lot of doctrine. You learn a lot of um, just like of the essential things of faith. And this, um, yeah, having peace with ourselves, this reminds me of a hymn um, of what we, uh, it's called, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. The lyrics are, what a friend we have in Jesus. If you know it, sing with me. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a grief, privilege to carry. Everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. It's one of my favorite songs. And the message is right there in that song. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. The peace that we, like, that we often give away, what needless pain that we take on ourselves when we don't bring our problems, we don't bring our anxieties, we don't think, bring the things that we're worried about to God in prayer. We communicate these things to him. And now you might be asking yourself, what does God care or have to do with the things in my life that cause me anxiety? There's 7 billion or 8 billion, whatever number we're at now, people in the world. Why does he care about my anxieties? And something I want you to see here is that, that God's peace is not circumstantial. It's not just about your circumstances or your anxiety. It's a peace that surpasses all understanding. He says, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, which means like unfathomable, unfathomable un, incomprehensible peace will guard us. So you might think to yourself, what? God doesn't care about my anxieties. There's people in third world countries that have way, way bigger problems than I do, or people that have way less money, or whatever it is. But God does. He does care about you. He does care about your peace. He does want to guard you. He wants to guard your peace. 2 Corinthians 4, 8, and when, we, or when we have this peace, we can live a life amidst, amidst the circumstances and still be steadfast. Like, your kids are going to misbehave, whether you have peace or don't. You're going to have financial problems, or at least stresses, whether you have God's peace or not. You're, like problems are going to happen. But if we have God's peace and ask him to guard our peace with himself, 
we can live a steadfast life and live amidst the circumstances and understand the message behind all the metal and all the crap that's happening around us because we have his peace. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, we are afflicted in every way. And, he, and you know, Paul lived a pretty hard life. He, he was in prison he, a couple times. He was persecuted. And I, I've heard that he was like a short, ugly dude too and an angry guy. So like Paul had, a, had kind of a hard life. In, in 2 Corinthians, he writes, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed because we have God's peace protecting us. Our hearts, your hearts, our hearts and minds are under attack with guilt, worries, threats, confusions, uncertainties, whatever you want, whatever you want to name it. They're all after our peace. They're all weapons of destruction from the enemy. And Paul says that God wants to guard your hearts and minds. He's not just a bystander watching what happens. He wants to guard. He wants to be your guard for your peace. So do that, the scriptures. Take your worries to God. Like, literally. Literally tell him about them. Ask him to help you, to protect you. Literally ask God, restore my peace. God, help my child to stop crying, yes, but give me peace amidst this because they're a baby and they're going to cry. God, help me with my financial struggles, but God, help me just be yours and enjoy and embrace you as the most glorious person in my life amidst these financial struggles that aren't going to just go away. Literally ask God, when you leave here today, if you are struggling with anxiety, if you're struggling with all the outside things, with all the circumstances, circumstances in your life stealing your peace, literally ask him, God, protect me. God, bring me peace. But because of the birth of Jesus and his glorious presence in your life, you can have freedom over the circumstances. You can live a steadfast life, live a purposeful life amidst the circumstances because God provides real peace for you. And since we first have peace with God and we now have freedom from the circumstantial chaos in our life that we can live amidst the chaos and have peace, the next thing is that we can have peace with others. The third relationship is peace with others. And it's not like this, like I feel like in my life I've sometimes embraced a posture, you know, I'm good, I'm confident, I'm happy, I'm good with God. If they got a problem, it's their problem, you know. I, that's, that's on them. And I don't, want, I don't want us to get stuck in that. That's not loving to your neighbor. It's not good for your church body. It's not good for even your family to just take that position. If we are people, children of peace, children of the king, children of the, the God who gives us peace, then we ought to be the embodiment of peace in our relationships with others. Romans 12, 18. Actually, we're going to read 12, 16 through 18. He says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, I know this is the point where like, we have the least control. In other words, since you have peace with God and then you are free from the things that attack your personal peace, so much as it depends on you because you have the power of God, because God has saved you, because God has made peace with him and then given you this ability to have peace from your anxieties, live at peace with people around you. So far as it depends on you. That's the hard part. So I know many of you soon will be getting together with family for Christmas, even though you just got together with them for Thanksgiving. It's kind of goofy that they're like that butted up next to each other, um, I think. 
And there's going to be some awkward and painful relationships and interactions. Um, some of the pain is probably very old, very old wounds, very old um, animosities. Some of it might be new. Some relationships, you know what you have to do. Some of them, no idea, and you're perplexed. Or you're just straight up over it and don't want to do this. You want to just take the stance, I'm good. I don't need to deal with this. But God instructs us, so far as it depends on you, live at peace with others. In both cases, the key is trusting the promises of God with heartfelt awareness of how he forgave you through Christ, of how he made peace with you through Christ. Ephesians 4, Paul says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. The point here is that we must cultivate, get this, this is big, we must cultivate a sense of awe that in spite of my sin, in spite of your sin, in spite of my natural bent away from God, he has forgiven us through Christ. And we need to let that amaze us, that we have peace with God in this sense of amazement, awe, bewilderment, that I, a sinner, have peace with God that makes our hearts softer. It makes us kind and forgiving and more available and able to extend forgiveness and to live at peace with other people. So we must cultivate a sense of awe in the peace that God made with us, in the salvation that he gave us in forgiving us in order for us to be able to open our lives to be at peace with others. And it might be thrown back in your face. It certainly was thrown back in Jesus' face. They put him up on a cross and killed him. And I know that hurts, and it can make you bitter if you're not careful. But we must make an effort to keep being more amazed that your wrongs are forgiven that, and that, than that we are wronged. We must continue to make an effort that we are more amazed that our wrongs are more forgiven or are forgiven than when we are wronged. The relational gap that was bridged between you and God is way bigger than the relational gap between you and insert person no matter who it is, no matter what they've done. So let that truth be way bigger to you. Let it bring you to awe, way bigger than the relational clamor that exists in your life. Keep trusting God. He knows what he's doing. Keep his glory on the forefront, not yours or your effectiveness. It says, or um, oh, the, the last passage said, like to use your own wisdom, but keep God in the forefront. And then you will be like the angels. Glory to God in the highest will be your first thing, will be your first priority. Peace among his people will be the second thing, will be the result in your life, in your relationships. All this was made possible in God's saving work. And every Sunday, we take communion to remember this, that God saved us, that God died on a cross, that he was killed for us so that we could have yeah, fullness of life, that we could have peace with him. God saved us. And so we remember in communion, he made peace with us. So today, if, if you're not a Christian, I just want to invite you, welcome the peacemaker into your life. Like you might think like, I'm, I'm good. You know, I, I, I can make things happen. I can make this temporary peace happen, but there's a reality that we all are facing eternity, you know? And so let this be an encouragement to you that not only can you have peace in your present life, but you can have peace everlasting in eternity. Peace was ushered in by the birth of Jesus. This is why we celebrate Christmas. 
So to experience his peace, we be his people. God's way of bringing us peace is by him being the most glorious person in your life. And we can't separate those two things. God's glory, our peace. It is a supernatural way to live, to be able to live this way, to have steadfastness among the chaos. Like people will notice. To live your life in such a way that it isn't oblivious to the things around you, but to be able to live unwavered, confident in your peace with God and having the ability to make peace with those around you. It's, it will be otherworldly and people will notice. So my challenge to you today, make peace with God if you haven't. Ask God for peace in your life. So far as it depends on you, be at peace with others in this order. And then come and see Jesus, just as the shepherds did. They responded to this glorious message by immediately they left to go see Jesus. So come see Jesus. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning and that you have spoken to us and still speak to us, God. I pray that this peace that you talk about, that this peace that surpasses all understanding might be the reality that all of us in this room can embrace um, this morning and leaving from here, God, that this Christmas season, we can welcome you into our lives as the peacemaker, that we can ask God for you to protect us from the anxieties that crowd our lives from the circumstances. God, that you would give us power and a sense of awe for the way you have forgiven us to forgive those in our lives, to be at peace with them, God. We love you and we thank you so much for your son. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.